Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Hello, and welcome to another episode of A Dad's Path Podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. Today, we're here with Matthew Bradley from the Solo Dad Podcast. This is going to be a really fun conversation. Matt's been a single dad for a little bit now, more than a little bit, and there's a lot of lessons we're going to be able to learn both on being a single dad, but also that any dad can hopefully learn. So, Matt, welcome. Will, man, it is a pleasure to be here. I really like what you're doing on A Dad's Path. I think dads of any walks of life, we can all learn from each other. And I think comparison is probably a great downfall of ours. Like, uh, you know, oh, they're doing better or I'm not doing as good or I'm, I should try, you know, I should do more of this or less of that. But I think that one of the things I've learned over time is that uh, we can always borrow and learn and uh, try to be one of my wife's favorite phrases is to be better. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, focus on ourselves and that's kind of all we can do because you don't know what really is going on in someone else's world. Oh, look at their big house and their six nannies and their pool and and then look at their debt or look at that. You know, you just don't know. You right. don't know where their priorities are or things like that. So I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I think that I've learned, so being a, a single dad and a co-parent for basically 17 of my daughter, older daughter's 18 years, one of the things I've learned too is like you're saying, you just don't know what someone has going on that outwardly may look one way or another. One of the other things too is there's always a, I don't know why the word consequences gets like a, it has kind of a negative connotation, but it shouldn't. There's always consequences to our choices, right? So there's a guy that is, you know, looks like he's about ready to grace the cover of GQ magazine, drives a really cool car and uh, has way more money in the bank than he knows to do with, but doesn't know his daughter's favorite Rainbow Ruby character, picking some random Netflix show, right, that my daughter watches, or Bluey, even better, right? Who doesn't love yep. Bluey? There's a consequence to that. Like, it doesn't make him a better dad or a worse dad I, during, if you use that as the checklist of, you know, who's your favorite Bluey character, then yeah, maybe. But the fact that he's able to retire at 50 and spend all this time with his kids later, maybe that's it. So that's definitely one of the things that I've learned is the comparison is a, it's also a thief of joy. I remember hearing that from somewhere too, where it just takes all the joy out of and happiness out of something you may have. Like, you know, maybe you're not working 60 hours a week so that you can coach your kids a little early game. That's all right. If you don't have the newest car on the block, enjoy the game with the kid. That's right. It's prioritization where you have your values and the old deathbed test, right? If you're sitting in your rocking yep. chair or you're on your deathbed and you're old and you look back and you don't have time, you might have money, you might have everything else. You know, hopefully you have the love of your family, right? Yeah, hopefully, right. That's something you prioritized. Well, maybe not. Maybe that's not what's important to you. There's a great thing that's been bouncing around where it's like, if I give you a million dollars, right? But say you're going to die tomorrow, do you want the million dollars? And I've seen this done a couple of different ways. And the answer is, well, absolutely not. Then no, I don't want the million. Okay, fine. So I'm just going to give you a million dollars, but you're not going to, you won't die tomorrow, but um, you'll have no friends. No, I, I want, you won't have your health. And basically it gets down to a list where all of a sudden you realize time, family, friends, experiences, maybe seventh, eighth, ninth on the list starts to become money. And it just, it's more of that kind of like where we prioritize. Now, money does allow access to things, right? If you have no money, you can't feed your kids. You can't put a roof over their head. That's different. But yeah. I think that it helps when you start comparing because 
there's a cost and consequence to a lot of the things that we try to achieve. And the, the deathbed one's a good one, but it's hard to do when you're looking at that really nice new car. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. And it's, it's, it's hard to do that in the moment too, you know, but yeah. that's a lot of what I found parenting is, or the challenge is trying to live in that moment, live in the parenting moment, not let your mind wander, not try and you know, have too many expectations or comparisons, like you're saying, you know, same thing on the parenting front, not just, you know, getting away from the money side, just, you know, why is their kid so well behaved? Why is their kid X, Y, or, you know, they're playing six sports and they're doing music lessons. And, you know, my child watches TV every, you know, an hour every day, you know, like <laughs> all of it. Right. Right. I had that conversation last night with a friend and they're like, Will, I didn't know you played a little bit of music. Are, are you having your son play, you know, do less piano lessons? And my wife and I were just like, mm, not really. And felt a little guilty. That was our, I should speak for myself. That was my feeling. And then our friend who asked that said, you know, there is no greater way to eliminate the love of my child than to force him to go to piano lessons every week. <laughs> you know, so it's like, <laughs> there's a trade-off there, right? <laughs> it is. And you know, what's interesting is too, is like, as a parent, and I like how you say, you know, you're trying to be in the moment. I was just talking to someone earlier today. It's like, you know, raising a kid is the world's longest I said con, but that's not the right one. Longest project plan ever. Because you won't see those results 18, 20, 24 years. Now you get little snippets, right? Like when your kid's little and someone says like, wow, they're so well behaved or wow, they're so polite. So you get little feedback. But it isn't until they get out in the real world like my 18-year-old is now being a freshman that you start hearing other adults talk about your young adult on how pleasant they are or how considerate they are or, you know, insert whatever mannerism or behavior that you wanted to espouse into your children. Some people are like, wow, your kid is so motivated and he's just crushing it. And obviously that came from somewhere inside their family unit. You're like, yeah, that's what we're looking for. We want someone that, you know, kicks butt and takes names. That's great. Nothing wrong with that. Or if you have someone that you're like, wow, your kid is so empathetic and is always willing to listen to people. You're like, that's what we were trying. But you don't get to see that, right? You have to, you have to stay the course and ask yourself if this is what you want. And then kids always like to make it interesting by going like, if you force your kid piano lessons, they're like, you know what I'm really good at, dad, that I enjoy throwing a ball. And you're like, yeah, but we want you to play music, yeah. right? But I'm me, you know, we can mold them. But at some point they start to go like, but this is my thing. Like, I, I really hoped my older child wanted to play golf because I'm a golfer. Uh, yeah, that never happened. <laughs> she did all the things I didn't want to do. She ran cross country, swam distance and wrong distance track. And I'm like, I run to the refrigerator. Like I'm not really <laughs> built for running. And I think also, like you said, staying present and all those different things that we want for our kids to give them exposure. Sometimes the motivation comes from what we didn't have, right? We're like, oh, wow, I really want my kid to be well-read because I did a really bad job of reading or wow, I want my kid to have all those sports opportunities that I didn't have for whatever reason. I wasn't good. My parents didn't have the money, whatever. We didn't have them available where I lived, whatever it is. And what's funny is sometimes we forget that at certain point we can ask our child and, and say, hey, is this what you're getting out of it? And my late wife and I, little teaser there, we had a conversation one time. It's like, well, when do you press the accelerator on the kid? If your kid's throwing 92 miles an hour in second grade, you might not want them to quit baseball, <laughs> right? Or softball, right? Like you, you might like, you have a talent and we need to see how far you're going to take this talent. But you also don't want them to burn out and never do it again. Yeah. I mean, how many times does it happen that you have the best piano player, right? They're just killing it playing different musical instruments up until 18. And then they get out of their parents' house and they never want to play again, right? So there's that delicate balancing act that I think that as a parent, and that goes to being present and then kind of knowing your kid too. So I think that's another one. I love that a lot. Yeah. And it's 
an art. It's not a science at all. You know, for me, there are a couple things that are non-negotiables in terms of the learning, right? Like I've talked about this on previous one, but like my kid needs to learn how to swim, right? Like that's a, that's a life need to, you know, learn to ride a bike, you know, like <laughs> those sort of things. Yes. The other one I find is too, is like, if you don't have either the patience or proficiency, whichever you want to put first to teach your kid the thing, then find a way to outsource it. If it's really like I knew because of where we live, there's a lot of pools and they also don't have to have gates. They can have hard tops, but they're not, they're not required to have gates. And our neighbors are very open and friendly with using their pools. And I was like, since the only way I could teach a person how to swim is to say, don't drown. <laughs> maybe I need to go get my daughter's swimming lesson. Like float. Like I don't, yeah. I don't know what you're <laughs> Because I know how to swim. I just, and so she's been getting swimming lessons. And I think like if you're someone that could teach your kid to swim and you have the patience to do so and have the right expectations that this is my child and maybe I need to teach a little differently than somebody else and that's great. But I, I agree that there are definitely, you know, one of the big ones for us in our house is like manners, right? Like I, I don't want to go too far down a rabbit hole of today's society and versus yesteryear or whatever. But like I can't come into your house and just grab a soda out of the refrigerator, slam it down and leave it on the counter. Like there's rudimentary manners and a lot of people are like, well, that's just common knowledge or it's, it's common sense or it's common courtesy. It's only common because someone taught it to you when you're young. Yep. Right. So like we say, please, we say, thank you. We say not in a, like you need to be respectful to dad, which we would like, but it's more of a, because when you go into the world, you will be able to get a little more out of life. If you're a little more pleasant, if you have this baseline of, Hey, you've noticed when I say please and thank you, things seem to be easier for me. So that's another one where it's that staying the course, right? And then the hard part is when the kids get old enough to talk back to you, they go, well, you didn't say please when you asked for it. Like, oh man. <laughs> and the, that's where that's where I was going to go. What role do you find modeling has in some of those? You know, because kids don't listen, they, they watch, right? Again, I'll tease a little bit. My late wife, one thing that I've repeated as a mantra is in she only got to be a mom for a little bit was the say-do ratio. Mm -hmm. Especially in parenting. If you say it, you need to do it. Because especially when they're younger, those little nuggets remember everything. And so we've all, I, well, if you're a new dad, it's going to happen. If you're a current dad, it's already happened to you. You say you're going to take them to McDonald's on a Tuesday. Guess what happens on Wednesday? <laughs> yep. <laughs> they wake up. You said we're going to McDonald's yesterday. You lied. And you're like, oh man, I got to be. So I think modeling, one of the things around modeling is you want to show them. So post pandemic, I do a little more working out at home than I used to. I want my child to have a healthy body that they can do the things they like to do in. And I don't ask her to work out next to me, but I want her to see me doing it. Right? Like, hey, I'm going to hop on the treadmill. You can play or whatever, but just stay down. Because that sort of modeling is one side of modeling right? They see you doing the thing, the work that it takes to be able to run fast or pick up something heavy or whatever the goal is. And then the other modeling is showing it in the world. So like not interrupting, which every kid I think struggles with at some point. And we're dealing with that right now in our house. And a little trick, if someone wants to borrow this, rather than putting your hand up or your finger, and you can't see me because it's a, do like a, a hook and horns. And my friend called it, they got it from their daycare, quiet coyote, hmm. right? And then you like kiss with the little head when it's time for them to talk. So it's not like, it doesn't feel as like quite as hard as the finger in the hand. Cause I didn't mm. like that. I don't ever want to tell my daughter to shush either. Cause you be as loud and as proud as you want, kiddo. It's a hard world. But anyway, so a little coyote, the interrupting is kind of like we do as adults, active listening. And I've told her before, I said, you notice how I let grandma talk or you notice how I let them finish their story. And then I had something funny to say. I didn't interrupt. 
It's not that my point's not important, but we want other people to have a chance to say what they're going to say. Now she's only five and there's times I've quiet coyote ears. I'm showing you it again. And she's forgotten what she's going to say. And she's a very smart five-year-old. She gets real mad. <laughs> you made me wait too long again. I can't remember what I was going to say. I'm like, well, you're doing the pee-pee dance. So maybe it's got to go potty. But anyway, so I think modeling, there's two different ways to model it, right? You can actually have them physically watch you do it. And then when you do it, you tell them that is being patient and being courteous and being kind. And then the other thing I need to do a better job of is when you see your kid model the behavior you want, you tell them that's the sort of behavior I like. And choose your words carefully. We love them unconditionally, behavior or not, the behavior separate from our love for them, right? So I like that behavior. I don't like that behavior, but I still love you right? So I've actually changed my words. Like she was sharing the other day and I was like, don't say I love the behavior because I love you. I really like how you shared that toy with your friend earlier. That was a really nice thing to do. And by the way, I still love you. That's something I just, I just picked up. That's a great distinction. Yeah. It's really good. I like that a lot. Maybe this would be a good opportunity. You've alluded to your wife, your ex-wife, and I think our listeners would appreciate hearing that story a little bit and kind of how you ended up being a solo dad. Yeah. So I'm in this interesting subcategory of people. I don't know how many of us are out there. So actually, my dad passed away when I was 11 from a heart attack. And uh, I was raised just by my mom. She never remarried, never dated. So me and my younger brother, since the age of 11, I am very blessed to have a very good co-parenting relationship, as I mentioned, with the mother of my older child. She is now 18. And then I met my late wife, Marcy. And we had one daughter. And unfortunately, my wife was diagnosed with stage four colorectal cancer and passed away September 22nd, 2018. And so I'm a widower or widow. And since I've done the single dad thing, which I find very different and nuanced than being a solo dad, I make it my life's mission to make the distinction between the two because there are some very big differences between whether you're divorced or you were fortunate enough and blessed enough to have a kid and, and it didn't work out or whatever. But they're very different in the path and how you parent and the stresses and anxieties that come along with being a solo parent versus a single parent. Again, not comparing. No one wins when we compare. I think we mentioned on the My Own Podcast, which I'll stay with that for a second. So becoming a solo dad, I realized there wasn't a lot of male voices talking about being widowed unless they were age inappropriate for me. So the joke I would tell is I'd find this great podcast about being a widow or widower and it'd be like, on today's episode, we're going to talk to Bob who learns how to heat up soup after his wife died of 65 years. I'm like, you're not helping me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I appreciate Bob, but I need, I need something else. That's not where you were. Yeah. I'll listen to that in 30 years from now. But right now I need some like, how do you raise a kid and grieve and mourn the loss and all of that. And so we were very fortunate. The universe bumped a bunch of us together and we created the Solo Dad podcast, which is dads who have lost their partner or spouse or if there's a reason why their partner or spouse is just no longer in the picture at all, whether it's their, I'm hoping to get someone on who's incarcerated or the mom unfortunately struggles with addiction or anything else where the other parent as a solo dad isn't in the picture because it just shares a little bit what we go through as you're doing with like, you know, the dad's path and letting people know that you're not crazy or here's a tip that works for me or this is what it feels like at night alone on the couch and Game of Thrones come on. I'm like, no, oh, I can't watch that because it's going to make me cry or whatever. So I've done both and I was raised by one. Yeah. So I became a solo dad and I believe you and I connected because I was looking for dad information, right? I, I have two daughters 
gosh, bless, or whatever your deity is, that if you have a son, I don't know what that's like. And I'm not sure I ever want to now. <laughs> we have a lot of princess bubble parties and things don't break. And uh, listen, I have plenty of friends who have sons, but I'm like, oh, that's a whole different animal that I'm not aware of. Um, and I'm like, as a guy, I'm like, shouldn't I? Nah, it's fine. But I'm always looking for other dads that are active and trying to find ways to be, well, you're talking about like more present or tricks or tips, or even just hearing the struggle. Like you just mentioned that you play a musical instrument, you play piano, I think you said, and just that little twins that I'm sure you wrestle with are like, gosh, it sure would be nice if my kid played the instrument or my example, right? Like, gosh, it sure would be nice if my kid wanted to play golf, but sometimes that doesn't work itself out. And then you look at like these dads that, you know, I'll just be way over the top in general. They have this amazing relationship playing baseball with their son. And you're like, oh, I want me to be that one day. But unfortunately, my son knows how to play the violin. So I guess that's what we're going to do, right? Like, so again, that's that comparison where it doesn't always work out. And as it should work out, our projection of our future is, and as I've learned, none of us are promised tomorrow. Life can be really interesting and fleeting. And so being more such a buzzy word, mindful of like you're saying the present and the here and now with a little idea of where you want to point the ship, I think is really important as a dad in today's society, regardless of where you land on whatever spectrum you believe in. I think it's still important to be present. I mean, I'm not a hunter, but man, I got some friends that are, and I see the pictures they post and their son gets their first hunt or they go fishing. And I'm like, how cool is that, that you and your kiddo are bonded in this experience? And just because it's not for me doesn't mean that someone else can't find that connection with their kid and stuff. And vice versa, the kid finds something with their parent. Yeah, that's totally right on. I mean, it, it's the expectation, unfair expectation and projection, like you're saying, hey, my kid should do X, Y, or Z, and it's easy to look at others. But before I forget, thank you for sharing about um, what you went through and being a solo dad. And, yeah. you know, one thing that I think that we all feel is a lack of community sometimes. And moms, I would generalize, I've seen do a better job of that than dads. And you said kind of as you went through this, you immediately found two other guys and you started your podcast and you have this, I don't know if that's your community, but I'd love you to talk about kind of the role of community, how you found some community, not for your kids necessarily, for you, you know, to help you. That's actually, I'm going to butcher this and I, I need to wordsmith it better, but I, I tend to agree with what you just said, that women tend to create community and then go do a thing. Hey, do you all want to go shopping on Saturday? Yeah. And then they form their shopping group or, hey, do you guys do the thing. Hey, you want to, let's rebuild this engine together. And then we have the community. So it's almost like women can start with community and do a thing. And I feel like guys have to do a thing in order, like, let's be fans of the same football team. Let's do that. And then we have the community. I'm sure women will maybe debate, discuss, dissect that if they want. But that's just my own viewpoint. And so what happened was I just did, like I said, I didn't hear my type of voice talking about, there's plenty of things about divorced dads and single dads, but that's very different. And not not to take it away because there's information in there that's good and useful, but it's just very different. And so you have this grief aspect of loss and death and, and whether your kids are 18 or eight or eight weeks or whatever the story is, there's a, there's a nuance in there. And I really wanted to be able to find guys that if you're having a rough day and there are plenty of widow and widow groups, I encourage anybody, if you are widowed or widowed, there's plenty of groups on Facebook or wherever you want to find them do an amazing job. They're co-ed. But as we all know, there are times based on your gender that uh, 
you want a safe space to be able to say something, right? And you want them to get it on a baseline level. And we also have a Facebook group. It's the Solo Dad Podcast Facebook group and find us on all the other social places. But if you want to post something like you're having a really hard time or whatever, just like the dad's path, like someone that will get it, someone that is like-minded, that understands there's a nuance of loss there, whether it's, I just went on my first date and I feel like I'm cheating on my dead wife. Or I don't know how to change a diaper. Yeah. And it's like, that's all right. Neither did I. So we kind of formed it and it's women typically outlive men. It's not the norm, statistically speaking, to be kind of under the age of 50 with kids and widowed. And so being such a small group, I akin it to very much like anyone who served in the military in the sense of like, there is an instant, we have a commonality, right? So if two old army guys get together, even though they didn't serve in the same time, same place, they get it. They went to the same boot camp. They traveled the Pacific Rim. They had, they ate the same food. They get it. There's just this immediate relatability. So since there was nothing out there like it, I decided to create it. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Good for you. That's, yeah. And what it's done is, and guys don't, we don't share our emotions that much. You know, we're learning to do better about being open with that stuff in general, I think. And if it's right for you, that's good. But what I've seen is like, you know, a guy can just jump on that group and post, whether again, I mentioned first date or it's like, you know, oh man, I dropped my, this actually happened to me. I dropped one of my wife's coffee cups early on. It shattered. You can't go buy it again. It's from a place that doesn't exist. And it's just this whole moment and it brings everything back to the front. And you just post like, if I were to post this in my normal Facebook feed, people would be like, they'd understand, but they'd be like, what? It's a coffee cup they get it, right? They truly get it on a baseline level. And so it's like, yeah, it sucks. And and with grief, man, you can earmark this one is sometimes guys are, well, a lot of times guys, we are fixers. There are times in life and grief and loss is one of them. There's nothing to be fixed and you just kind of have to sit in it. And it helps to have guys just be like, yeah, man, I'm right there with you. And it's really important in general, not just with grief, that you find community that supports you emotionally with your goals and aspirations wherever you can find it. Because I think one of the things that I'm recognizing is in this day and age, technology is fantastic and you can find a community. I wish the 200 plus guys that are in the Facebook group and all the people that listen to the podcast lived on my block, but that would be one sad block. So we're connected, <laughs> we're connected virtually. Virtually works. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you hit the nail on the head though. Like, you know, you're, you're talking about a very specific community that's serving you that what that didn't exist before, but it's, it's serving what you need. And that's a huge part of it. And you had to create yours, which is a big challenge for a lot of us, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis, dads, you know, speaking for myself, I'll just talk about myself for a second here. You know, I had a really challenging sort of two weeks, as did my wife. And my wife immediately uh, got her support group. She immediately reached out to a friend. She had friends coming over, da, da 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 you know, talking. And, you know, I was a little jealous, but it was immediately an irrational jealousy, right? Like I knew, because I have friends. And it's just like, well, she's choosing to talk and I'm not. Like, what's so I did. So I reached out to a bunch of my friends who I hadn't reached out to in that way before, a couple of new ones. Yeah saying, hey, this is challenging for me right now. And everyone responded in the same way, you know, different words, but like, you want to call right now? You want to, you know, how can I support you? Let, let's jump on something so we can just chat. That's awesome. And that's what so much is where guys, I think a lot of guys are like, hey, I, you know, my friends don't open up to me. My friends don't, da, 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 or my friends don't ask me to do this or, but it's the opposite, right? It's like, you have to make that move. When you start making that move, you're the active one. Then you'll see, you know, people respond. Well, and I think that's fantastic that you did that. I think help is a four-letter word that 
guys struggle with, especially in the, I'll call it the, the softer area of life. Like I have no problem. Well, actually, no, maybe not even the physical part too. Um, how many times have we lifted something by ourselves? We shouldn't, right? Like, we won't even, <laughs> no, I can pick <laughs> yep, up this couch. Well, yeah, yeah, you could when you're 20, but I don't know if you should be doing it. Lift with the knees. Um, you're going to pay for that later. But on the softer skills of life, like, I don't know if it's because like it's some vulnerability or we're opening up about something we don't know how to do. But I think you're 100% right because I had one of my really, like, I'm very blessed to have about, say, about 10 guys that have been friends of mine for over 20 plus years. And I've moved around and stuff. And it's just this core group of guys. And they're my guys, not all interrelated necessarily. And one of those 10 guys, I was probably about mm, a year plus out after my wife passed away. And we used to commute dial each other and talk about once a week or whatever. And we hadn't for I don't know, a month and a half or whatever, because we're in different states and time zones. And he called me up and he's like, Hey, what's going on? I was like, Oh, what's up? And, you know, general guy conversation. He goes, I hadn't heard from you in a while. And vice versa. And you hadn't picked up my call. I'm like, Oh, well, you know, it's just, I got stuff and I didn't really want to go into it. And he finally kind of pestered me enough. And I said, Well, hey, bud, you know, like, I don't want to just get on a call and, you know, woe is me. My wife's dead. My kid's crying. I'm sad. I'm crying on my pillow. I don't know what to do. And, you know, it's hard. And I, I don't know what I'm doing. And, and you're not going to understand. And he goes, you're right. I won't understand, but I can listen. And I was like, wow. Damn. Yeah. That was a big miss on my part. And so those guys, they now do get the call <laughs> of me going, let me tell you what it's like to have a dead wife. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. And good for them and good for you for hearing that. Well, right. And it was like, wow. And that was kind of his, like you were saying, like no one ever reaches out to me. And I've actually said that before in my situation with grief where I go, check your phone the last time you reach out to me. And then they'll re go back and go, check your phone. I'm like, oh yeah, it's true. I haven't reached out. Like sometimes we forget. Yes, it would be nice if we had people reaching out to us right in the minute we needed them to. But like you said, if you were struggling for a couple of weeks or you're having a tough time, and then how great is it that the majority of the people that you reached out to said like, you know, well, let's, let's, let's talk it out. Let's grab a beer. Let's hop on a Zoom. Let's whatever we got to do. I actually... Just, I think, I'm pretty sure he's probably going to hear this. My buddy Ken, who lives up in Canada, who's on the podcast, we are just going to set up an accountability thing. Even though he's in Canada, I was like, you know what, man, that'd be really helpful. I would really like you to just nudge me once a week and vice versa and let's do this thing. And because I'm kind of in my own little bubble from time to time and it's, you know, it's, it's good to have that. And I, I think that's fantastic. And I don't, I don't know. I'm going to put it, I was going to say the vulnerability side of asking for help or finding that community, it's hard, guy or girl, if you open yourself up and someone will just say makes fun of you. I don't know any other word to use right now. Well, then they're not part of your community. And if they belittle you or, you know, now we can all make fun of each other in different ways. But if you're really in a moment of really need and they're like, like you want to talk about your feelings, you're like, okay, so you're going to move down the dial list of, you know, now you're just my friend, not part of my circle of trust. If we want to quote the meet the parents, right? But it's hard though, because us guys, and I'll find the link for you. There's a great article about like how many hours it takes to make friends. And the problem is, and women, as we get obligated to our spouses and our kids and our homes and our jobs, and then after school activities for our kids, it's hard time-wise to make new friends. So we kind of have to lean back on the older friends, which there's experience there, but like trusting somebody new and going like, man, I had a rough week and you just met them, you know, a week ago on the golf course or something. So that's awesome. You did that, man. That's fantastic. 
you'd think I would have learned it by now, right? And and it's the old like, well, I wish I would have, but uh, now I know, you know, now I've learned it. So that's fantastic. And I just going along those lines, you know, we're talking to people who you care about to help you. What what else do you do in terms of your self care? And then how do you balance or prioritize sort of your wants versus your kids versus your needs, that sort of thing? <laughs> I, I I don't. No. Um, <laughs> so wow, self care is another really great one, and we're actually working on something inside the group about that. So to steal whoever coined it, because I think it's great. Self-care is not selfish, right? And, and what's the other one that I love? An empty cup can't pour out, right? If you don't have anything inside of you, you're just not. And there's a great book, The Five Languages of Love, regardless of your religious beliefs. It's a great little book to read. It takes you like probably less than like two nights. You can take a quiz. We all express and fill our love back up and our joy and our energy in a little bit different ways. And you have to find what works for you. And then you kind of have to just not have as much guilt around there's a video of a guy's wife turning off his playstation and he literally you can hear him breaking and he's like it's all i have and he looks like he's a fit guy his house looks nice like right like like i'm like well you're doing all right but if this is your release then explain to your spouse and your partner what it means to you i did when my wife was alive i do to my support people now like my mom and the babysitters and i'm like i need to go do this because i won't show up for my daughters, who's number one in my life right now, and other people in my life, if I don't, so if your things to hunt or shoot firearms or hit golf balls or hike or climb or play the piano or try craft beer, if it's not hurting anyone else and it's not doing you harm and it makes you feel good and you show up better for the next thing that happens in your life, then you need to clearly communicate what that does for you because sometimes. I'll just use one that may have a negative connotation. Going to microbrews to drink beers with the guys looks like you're just avoiding your responsibility. And then you say, well, the only way I can get these three other guys together to talk about everything from taxes to raising kids to how bad the insert your football team is wherever you are location-wise because the Bears are terrible. Uh, Broncos. <laughs> right? yeah. Broncos are too. Denver, whoever, <laughs> college, whatever it is. That's what happens for us guys. Actually, Ben on the podcast one time was talking about he has a really good group of friends. He's out there in the, one of the suburbs of Denver. And they had sat and there's two other guys, all have kids. They were sitting and talking for about 25 minutes. And finally, one of them goes like, that's great. How are you doing? Like they were talking about all their kids stuff. And they're like, no, like, let's talk about like, what's going on with you, man. And so I think sometimes we get, I don't want to say superficial because talking about our kids is important, but like. We forget that sometimes when the kids are running around or we're doing the sport obligation or we're at piano lessons or recital, we're not talking. You and I will, if we go to our kid's piano recital, we're not, I'm not asking how you're doing it. We're talking about our kid or whatever. So if you have that thing that's self-care, I think the biggest important thing is to clearly communicate what that thing does for you and why to your partner and then come to an understanding of how often is enough, how much is too much and how little is too little, right? Yeah, I love that. The balance yeah. and... And understanding yourself, that's what you were saying, how it affects you. And that's where we could go into things like, you know, working out. My wife notices when I don't work out, not because I'm flabbier than usual, but because I'm, <laughs> I'm wound up, you know, I'm like, she's like, what's going on? Have you worked, you know, or, or sleep, oh. you know, if you don't get enough sleep or if you drink too much, you know, for me personally, if I drink too much and then the next morning I'm not as good of a dad and it's not, for me, it's not judging it as much, but just noticing and saying, okay, I made that decision. How do I feel about it? what's the next decision I want to make as I kind of move forward, you know? I think that 
self-care can have so many different levels to it, right? Like you also still have to care for your relationship with your person who's your partner, but that partner's also like your spouse, right? So they're also your friend. They're also the person you're co-parenting with and you have to feed all of those as well. So like, you know, just dating your wife, if you will, isn't enough to also be like, hey, we need to sit down and talk about like how we parent, right? Like those are two different like self-caring that relationship. Exactly. And I think, I really feel that also sometimes our self-care looks like really lonely, right? So again, I'll just use this because it seems to be a nice example. If a guy spends two hours every weekend rebuilding a car and she doesn't understand like, well, you're just out in the garage. It's like, no, I'm alone with my thoughts. It's my quiet time. It's a bonding experience I remember with my dad. If he can clearly articulate all of a sudden this thing that looks like, you know, I know someone one time was saying like, oh, he mows the lawn just to get away from the kids. Maybe, but is that the worst thing in the world? Like if that's his 90 minutes a week, that's a two for one and he's like, I like to mow the lawn because it's a sense of accomplishment, but it also just gives me 90 minutes to just listen to the dad's path podcast and, and drink a cold beer afterwards. That's right. That's so right. I believe a lot of it also has to do you have to know it. You have to know your truth around it and be able to share it. And then when you talk about balance, so balance for me in the solo dad world, because as a single dad, my balance was every other weekend, I was I was by myself. I can do whatever I wanted. Play mountains all day and do laundry all night. It was great. Uh, and then the next weekend, I was all intentive to my daughter. Now as a solo parent or as a 24-hour parent as yourself, right, as we are parents all the time with no breaks ever, forever and ever, <laughs> I now found the balance of, and I will repeat what you said. Sleep is so important. I'm 45, soon to be 46. And I've realized like, I can't just power through multiple days with bad sleep. That ship has sailed for me. I'm going to show up in bad ways. It's not going to be good. So sleep's important. But the balance part for me comes more in the, and I just talked to somebody about this, that the balance comes from when I do my thing to not allow guilt to rob me of my refilling of my joy and my love and my energy. So I mentioned a couple of times, I'm a golf. I don't feel guilty about working out. So maybe it's inside of an hour. I don't feel bad. I'm a golfer. Golf takes like four and a half hours, right? So, and I find a lot of Zen in it and whatever. I have now gotten to the point where I'm like, it's not so much I deserve this. So I've earned it. It's more of, I need to do this so that when I come back home, I'm in the state of mind that I want to be in. And I show up the way because I'm four years out from my wife's death. The first few years, I couldn't give any time to myself because I just felt like I need to be around my kid. I have to be around a kid. If I take any time away from her, it's selfish and I can't do that. So if you're married in a healthy relationship or if you're a single dad, you have to do those things because, and like you said, whether it's drinking too much or not getting enough sleep or too much golf or whatever, you're going to show up not the way you want to. You're going to either bark at your kid or you're going to be on your phone trying to find a funny cat video to make you smile or whatever it is, Right. So that's the balance is you, you have to, again, kind of like saying owning and being authentic with knowing what it really means to you. Because if you know that, then you're like, oh, it's okay for me to go do this thing. A little bit I've earned it. Like I've done all these things I'm supposed to do, my obligations. But if I don't do it, I, I just can't, I can't finish this marathon that is parenting and is being a dad and is being a spouse. So I think guys, because I think other people, hopefully not your spouse, but maybe so, but I think if you explain to them what it meant, like my wife, even when she was alive, I remember one time I went golfing and I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure we have a lot of things going on? She goes, yeah, you don't do anything for yourself. 
I understand why playing in this fun little scramble event is important. You're with some friends, you're with some neighbors, you have a couple of beers. It's a warm summer afternoon. Yeah, we'll see you tonight for dinner. And because I expressed to her early on what golf meant to me. And so I think that that's one of the things, again, guys classically, sometimes we don't do a great job of talking about our emotions or just clearly communicating. And even if it's, you know, going back to playing a video game, if you're like, hey, babe, like, I really just want to level up this lineman so my Bears team doesn't suck anymore. <laughs> Do you give me one hour on, on a Xbox or whatever? Yeah, because yeah. it just makes me feel good. And they also forget that sometimes we play online and we're actually chatting to friends. Like, we maybe never... That's the other side, right? Yeah. yeah. And so another community you can find. So I think when you say balance, it's more about knowing why you need to go do the thing because you're not out of balance, right? It's kind of what I found. And I'm doing a much better job of doing that in year four of being a solo dad than I did in the first. Because there was, I took my first trip away from my kid and it was, again, St. Golf Central. Sorry, everybody. And the guy who organized the trip, I had to leave a day early. Ironically, I popped into Denver on the way out. But anyway, I had to leave a day early and I happened to be with the guy who organized this trip. It's a big trip that turned into a thing years ago and I got invited. Anyway, we get done and as you do with an Inverona Golf, take your hat off and shake your hand. I'm at nearly tears, Will, because I didn't realize how bad I needed some days away just with a bunch of guys who doing a thing, a lot of fun, beautiful scenery. And it, some of these guys are older, so some of them have widowed or they have widowed friends. And he totally understood. I was like, his name's Bill, actually. I go, Bill, like, I had no idea how bad I needed this. So I would encourage people, don't get to that point to where you're like nearly tears playing Madden on a Friday night with your friends. <sighs> Maybe do a little rough. <laughs> And that's probably a great note for us to end on, Matt. We could be chatting for another hour or two, or I could just, I love what you're saying and your message. And again, it's not just about being, you know, a solo dad. A lot of your lessons you've had to learn, which probably a lot more challenging being a solo dad. But for those of us who are not in that world, and again, can't compare, but your message is right on. I think for any dad, you know, I've been listening to your podcast. It's not just for solo dads, but if you want to hear more, you know, you can hear Matt on the Solo Dad podcast or if you want to join the community, as he said, he's on Facebook and all the social areas. And I hope you guys enjoyed. This was great. Thanks for coming, Matt. Will, thanks for having me. And again, love what you're doing on the dad's path and uh, look forward to, uh, here we go, crossing paths at some point. <laughs> hey, there we go. I like it. All right. Take care, Matt. I'll see you. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on. Dad on.